Welcome to Calvary Chapel Sebastian Podcast. We believe that God's Word transforms our lives. We hope that you're blessed by this message. All right, raise your hand if you need a Bible, and uh, Johnny will put a Bible in your hand. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. The title of this teaching is going to be called The Gospel Revealed. The Gospel Revealed. And we're going to begin in verse 15. By the way, church, if you were here last week, I just want to see if you were paying attention to me or if you were sleeping. Do I have any God's VIP people in the house tonight? Yeah, there you go. Some of you are listening. Very good. Don't forget, you can watch, you can, uh, Nick's going to put that online. You can uh, go back and listen to that if you missed that. And, um, but anyhow, uh, also, I just wanted to say real quick, thank you for everybody that's been praying for Lois, um, John's mom. And um, so she came out of surgery again today uh, very well, and she's just in great spirits. That woman just absolutely keeps me alive, just, just her attitude and enthusiasm. So thank you, everybody, that's been by there to see her and keep her in your prayers. And I think they're going to get tired of her by Friday and send her back home. So that's a good thing. Yeah, so thank you, church. You know, that's what I love about small churches. You, you really do get to do life together. And so that's just, that's part of it. So thank you, everybody that's loved on her. And send her a card in the mail if you want to. Call Dana. She'll give you the address if you want to. Just encourage her, okay? And then also... Um, uh, Steve, you'll take care of uh, next week for the other surgery. So, all right. Um, I'm going to put up some pictures and I'm going to get a disclaimer here so we don't get sued. But um, if you're queasy and you do not like like crawly things and guys, let's not pick on the ladies during this slide. OK, like keep your hands to yourself. OK, like don't don't. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See, I told you. It's a disclaimer. I told you. Okay. All right. Now, I want to put this. No, go back. Go back. Okay. Now, does, can anybody pick out something out of that, that cluster? There's only how many? One spider. Go ahead. Go to the next slide. What is that, church? No. What, does anybody know what kind of spider that is? Daddy long leg. Does that come from the northerners? Yeah, there you go. That's a daddy long leg. I don't know if you southern people know what a daddy long leg is. There's a myth that's not true, but it used to be, it's a folklore myth that the, the daddy long leg is the most poisonous spider on earth. However, it cannot bite you because its mouth is too small. That's kind of half true because um, they were always all over the house up north. I mean, it was like not a big deal. I don't know, maybe when I grew up. So it's just a northern thing, right? They're here? Okay, that's because all the northerners brought them down. We can blame them, right? But no, seriously, but this spider, here's, here's the truth about it. It's very poisonous, but not to humans. It has a toxin that it will bite its prey, and then that toxin will break down the prey's flesh so that it's easier to digest, okay? Now let's throw up, and Michelle, don't mess up the next one, but go ahead and throw the next picture up. Can anybody see what that is? Any guesses? Octopus. That one's a little bit easier. Do you know what kind of octopus it is? An ugly one. Actually, I think it's pretty. Look at that color. Go ahead and go to the next slide, Michelle. Yeah, that's, that's what you see there. Now, this, this octopus is called the blue ringed octopus. And here's the interesting thing. I, I love watching this. What it can do is it can metamorphose itself to look like anything where it's at, like its culture, the background, the environment. But in addition to its ability to do that, I was reading up and the only time that the blue rings come out like that is when it's feeling threatened. 
okay? Otherwise, it can change its body to, uh, color to whatever it's laying on. Um, but here's the interesting thing. This blue-ringed octopus ejects a harmful toxin called tetrodoxin that can paralyze and kill a human in minutes, an adult-sized human in minutes. And it says it is 1,200 times more toxic than any other toxin known to mankind on Earth. Only one milligram of toxin can kill a person, and an average size, which would probably be this, this octopus here, an average size blue ringed octopod has enough venom in it to kill 26 full grown adults. That's how poisonous and toxic it is if it bites. Um, and it only bites or attacks when it's threatened, but here's the interesting thing. It has two toxins that, it's, that it builds up. One is for defense, the powerful one, and the other one is also to break down its prey uh, so that it can digest, all right? The next one, this is really cool. Throw the first slide up. Does anybody see something on that picture? What do you see? A lizard? Okay. How, uh, yeah, I heard it, gecko, yeah. How many, how many geckos do you see? One, okay, throw the next slide up. That is, that get, get the name of this, this is a satanic leaf-tailed gecko. Throw up the next picture. Look at the look on that thing. That's a head-on shot there, okay? Now this satanic leaf gecko, it's found in Madagascar, the southern island of Madagascar, and it says that it camouflages itself as a mechanism to wait for its prey. This gecko blends into its environment and waits until its prey comes, and then it attacks it effortlessly. It proposes itself like a leaf. Isn't God's creation fascinating? Now, why would I gross you out and make a couple people leave the room? They left the room, I don't know. We, but why would I do that? What, well, here's the thing. All of these creatures have several things in common, and that is they appear to look like one thing, but their deception reveals that they're a totally different thing than the eye can see. They're very deceptive, and they're intentional. In other words, they blend into their environment for a different purpose and a different motive than what you would think. And tonight, we're going to see that Jesus is going to warn his disciples in this text that we're going to cover. He's, he's going to say, when we start reading this, he's going to say, be careful. Be aware. He says, there are camouflage preachers in your midst. There are camouflage teachers among you. They're masquerade amongst you, and they're deceiving you, and you don't even know it. He says, beware. They are not for you, and they do have hidden motives. They are deceptive, and they will come to prey on you. They will come to you with ill harm. And so Jesus is warning his disciples, knowing this. You've got to understand in the text, we're in Matthew 7. So we're at the very early season of his ministry with his disciples. And he, he's been going, if you've been coming on Wednesday nights, you know that we're going through these things that he's warning and that what he's teaching the disciples. I feel like we're one of his disciples because we've covered so many things on Wednesday nights. And it's topical, isn't it? It's warning about this in your life, warning about this. Don't go down this road. 
And what's interesting is, is that he knows he's leaving his disciples. And, he's, and what did he tell his disciples to do when he leaves? What, what was he discipling them to do? Go and make what? Go and make disciples. Go tell the gospel. And so he knows that there are going to be false teachers. He knows that they're going to encounter these false teachers because many of the disciples, the Apostle Paul, like the Apostle Paul, they go out and they started churches. What happens when the Apostle Paul would leave a region? False teacher would come in, false doctrine would come in. We've been through the book of Galatians two years ago, and that's exactly what kept happening in the Galatian church. And so Jesus in this text is reminding, he says, there are false prophets and there are false teachers that will come to you and get this and bring you a different doctrine than what I have taught you. They're going to bring you a different teaching that I have shown you about the gospel. And they will bring you a false gospel, a gospel other than what you know. And here's the thing that I think is amazing. He's speaking to the disciples 2,000 years ago. Do you think that this is an appropriate warning for today in today's church? Absolutely. It's the same concern that I think Jesus has for us believers today. So this is such a timely message. It's, it's a lifelong message. Jesus nailed this. Look what this um, Albert Muller, I don't know if some of you get him or read him or listen to him on the radio, but look at this quote that I found. Today's church cannot remain faithful if it tolerates false teachers and leaves their teachings, what? uncorrected, and I like this, unconfronted. That's a powerful statement. That's a warning. That's a true statement. And so we're going to look at verse 15. I've asked you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. Scoot down to verse 15 where we're going to pick up. Let's read it. Watch out for false prophets, for they come to you in what? Sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are actually what? Ferocious wolves. There's your first sign of deception that Jesus is warning us about. Now what's interesting is, is he says they're going to present themselves as what? One of you. They're going to look like you. They're going to act like you. They're going to think like you. They're going to talk like you. You're not going to know what their inward purpose or inward uh, function is when they come to you. And he says, beware that this is going to happen. Now, what's interesting is, think about where we left off last week. You can just scoot back up to verse 13. Look what Jesus told us in verse 13 that I left you with last week. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to what? That leads to destruction. And many, many enter through it. And last week, Jesus warned us that there's a path that we can go down that leads us to destructions. But notice that this week, Jesus is exposing those that, that their aim, their goal in the church today, their only goal is that they are going to guide us down a path that is very destructive in our lives. How? Through false te teachings and false doctrine. And so we have to be wise. We have to be careful who we follow, what we listen to, and what we believe. And Jesus is warning us. He's saying, not only do you not go down the destructive path, but you've got to watch for those who will lead you down that destructive path. Narrow is the gate, and few find it. 
is what he said last week. And Jesus calls these false teachers ferocious wolves. You know, this isn't anything new. Do you remember the Apostle Paul when we were in the book of Galatians? Um, we, Paul had the same concerns for the Christians in uh, Galatia. And look what he writes to him. I have it up on the screen. Some of you, are, were, we were in the uh, W wing. How many of you remember those days, W wing? How many of you are tired of setting up and tearing down chairs and the sound equipment? Hallelujah, right? We're at a better place. And we went through that series. But look at verse 1, 6 through 8. Paul's saying to the Galatians, and he's writing this letter. Remember, he couldn't be with me. He was writing a letter. And he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to what? A different gospel, a different teaching, a false teaching, one other than what Paul had taught them when he planted the church. And he says, not that there really is another gospel, I love that, but there are some who are disturbing you and wanting to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we... Or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel contrary to one who preached to you. Let them be condemned to hell. And so Paul was absolutely concerned about the same thing. And I think today that the church is faced with such a greater threat and have begun to fall prey to false teachings. Don't you? And why should we be surprised about this? We should not be surprised because we were warned about it. Why shouldn't we be surprised? You know this scripture, 2 Timothy Chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, for the time is coming when people will not endure a sound teaching. Let me ask you a question. What do you think that sound teaching is? Just shout it out. What is that? Truth. Yeah, truth. One that comes from this. Every word that is in here is breathed of God, right? And he says, he says, there will come a time when people will not endure the sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth, and they will wander off into myths. I just thought about the path. They'll wander off to that wide path very easily. Jesus is warning us to watch out for these false teachers and these false Prophets. And so the question is tonight, how can we identify the difference between a true teacher and a false teacher? Isn't that what you really want to know? Because we all are aware. If you've been going to church for any amount of time, you all have been aware. Some of you could tell me some incredible stories. I called a pastor friend of mine in Sebastian that I know and dearly love and trust. He's from a different denomination. And I just asked him, I said, have you ever had to deal with false teachers or false prophets in your own church in your upbringing? He's like, oh man, I could tell you stories. I go, I got time. <laughs> He's not from the area. He's here now. But, um, and, uh, but he was able to just share with me some of the stories. And I'm like, wow, that's relevant. That really is happening today. And you wouldn't believe the stuff that goes on in some churches. But so how do we tell the difference between a true teacher and a false teacher? After all, didn't Jesus just tell us in verse 15 that they come to us in sheep's clothing? Kind of like these creatures that I put up on the screen. I did that for a reason. Because you can't tell the difference of their environment and what they're really there and what their motive is. And this is exactly the way a false teacher can often operate. And he says, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves waiting on a prey. 
And so sheep's clothing means that they will look and act just like us true Christians, but underneath they're ready to do harm. And so I just, the whole stage here, I know you can't see this on podcast, but the whole stage is covered in, in camo. And uh, it, it, it's, I just call this a camouflage of deception. But Jesus will tell us how to recognize them. Look down in your Bible at verse 16. Here's how we can recognize, and then I'll break that down a little bit. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears what? Good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Now, I love this analogy, this reference that Jesus is using here. And you're going to, re- he says, you will recognize them by their fruit. You will recognize the difference between a false teacher and a true teacher or a true prophet by their fruit. I was thinking we're in the state of Florida. And uh, many of you may have orange trees in your backyard that you've planted. If you've been here for any length of time, that's probably one of the first trees that you planted. But we're very familiar with our citrus groves. And we know a lot about citrus groves, don't we? I just started, again, I'm from Ohio, so I, I don't, I know pine trees and you know, I, I, we didn't grow orange trees because, you know, freeze does what to citrus groves? Yeah, kills them. But here's what I found. When we plant an orange tree, it takes five years before it grows fruit. It takes five years for it to mature and then produce fruit. And I was thinking about that. What a great analogy Jesus is using here. Let's just apply that to the teacher, pastor, When I say the word prophet, you all know that's teacher, right? A prophet teacher. The Bible says it's a teacher, it's a prophet. So take this this analogy of an orange tree and just, it takes five years to produce fruit for us to even be able to tell what kind of tree it would be without its fruit, right? And so think about the pastors. There's a season, there's a long period of time that you observe all their ways. People are watching. And, And so... I think it's interesting, most of the pastors that are on staff, they've been at Calvary Chapel of Melbourne for many, many years. We get to the, the privilege of watching these young guys. Uh, Brian, this last weekend, said that he had been at Calvary Chapel for nine years. And before that, he was grown up as a missionary kid. And so he was around churches. And so when he came to Melbourne, you know, he's around people. We get to observe him, and he gets planted. And it's kind of like here at Calvary Chapel. When you arrive to Calvary Chapel, you get planted there. You guys sitting in the seats tonight, you're planted here. If this is your church home, you're planted here. We have a a man in here tonight that God planted him here. He's getting ready to start pastoral school and Bible college. And so we are watching him. We're observing him. We have been watching and observing him. And that's a good thing, don't you think? Yeah. And so it's a season. I've been at Calvary Chapel Melbourne for 20 years and I've been on staff for 10. And it took a long time for them to ordain me. It takes a long time. They just don't ordain. And so I'm thankful for that. Why? Because they're watching you. They're watching your character. They're watching your life. They're what? Not perfect. You, you figured that out, right? But, the, but the, the steadfast consistency that you are who you say you are. And they get to see that. And so God protects the church 
naturally through scripture from false teachers. First Timothy 5.22 says, do not be hasty to laying of hands on men. And that, that scripture reverse, uh, refers to, you know, leaders, elders, teachers, okay, in the church. He says, don't, don't be quick. Don't lay hands on a new, new convert, right? And so they want this observation. The second interesting fact about the orange tree is that before producing the fruit, it has this sweet, beautiful, small, tiny blossoms, don't it? Anybody live next to a citrus grove when they go into bloom? Does it smell heavenly? It smells so good. That's the next phase in the five-year period where you see these tiny little blossoms and, and the, the fragrance that it puts off, the bees attract and then the bees pollinate and prepares the tree, prepares the tree for the next stage before it bears fruit, you see? And so what happens is a true, here's what I wrote down, a true teacher of the gospel should have the aroma of Jesus Christ coming off of them. In other words, if you've been around a true teacher, a true shepherd, a true prophet, you, you, when, you see, when you're around them, you should sense that they've been with Jesus. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we all have bad days, so no judgment here, okay? I have bad days, you have bad days, pastors have bad days, elders have bad days. But it's that consistency that, that, that you should have that aroma, that you've been with Jesus, you, 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 you spend time with him, and that you manage things well, or the best of your ability. You see that calling, you should see a calling on a man's life. And so the, the interesting thing is, the next stage of the orange tree, after pollination, is where the orange tree begins to pr produce this tiny green fruit. And this is where this green fruit begins to turn into this beautiful orange, and it's so juicy. And I just kind of wrote it down here. A teacher will be known by what he produces. And so when you think about an orange tree, and you think about uh, you know, how beautiful the leaves are and how orange it is, and you pick that fruit, and you know it's been well taken care of, and you know that it's been in the right soil, the right element, the right rain, the right fertilization and all that, it produces a healthy tree. Well, it's no different with pastors. If they're in the right doctrine, the right leadership, the mature, you know, all these elements that help form, Dan's going to be a part of that for the next two years. He's going to be meeting with me and Pastor Craig and other pastors in Melbourne. He's going to be given things to do. He's got to do all these different things. And so he's going to be discipled. He's going to be around the right people, the right spirit-filled things to cultivate him so that there comes that time in that season where he's going to step out and be called and produce fruit from his ministry that God's calling him to. And so this is what Jesus is saying here. And when I think about a, a teacher, a pastor, an elder, or a prophet, his ministry should reflect the Bible. His leadership should be able to be fruitful. It should be seen. They should see compassion. They should see strong leadership. They should see guidance. They should see uh, him giving of himself. That things of God's uh, uh, business matters to him. And the Bible is very clear with these two things. 1 Timothy 5.2, you see it up on the screen. This is a charge to the teacher, the prophet. It says, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager 
to serve God. Don't lord it over people assigned assign to your care, but lead them by your own good example. I love this next verse in Titus 1, 7, 9. You see it, it says, since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not persuading dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, who, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, disciplined, and he must hold firmly to the trust. Here's the key. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message that it has been taught so that he can encourage others by, there's that word again, sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. And so the question is, how can a false teacher be identified? I'm going to leave this. I asked Michelle to leave it up on the screen so you can copy them down, and I'm going to break them all down. But here's five ways that a false teacher can be identified. The first one is a true teacher sources what he says from the Bible. You say, well, Pastor David, what do you mean by that? See, a false teacher relies on his own creativity. He doesn't just look at the Bible as his resource, but he'll pull from different beliefs, different doctrines. He'll, he'll pull from the world. Uh, there's great authors, great Christian authors, but it's kind of eclectic. He'll pull, and, or he makes up his own message, not really having any validity to it, not pointing people to Scripture. You know what I love about Calvary Chapel? I love that when my wife start, and I started coming, it was, it was crazy. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I was going to the Melbourne campus, and I mean, these people were serious. They had their Bible, and they had their Bible case, and they had a, a, you know, the ladies had the one that looks like a purse, and I'm like, honey, you need to get one, because we have to fit in. We have to look like we're carrying our Bible. And I'll never forget when Pastor Mark and the men, they've got their Bible case, and it's packed full of notes, right? And it's like I wanted to stuff all kinds of notes in there to look like I was super holy, right, when I first went in. But let me tell you, they, they literally brought their Bibles. That was so foreign to me. And I thought, this is crazy. And then Pastor Mark got up one day on stage, and he says, if you failed to bring your Bible... <laughs> an usher will put one in your hand. I'm like, they're serious. You know, I'm thankful that Calvary Chapel is known to teach the word verse by verse, verse chapter by chapter. It doesn't make us special. It doesn't set us apart from any other denomination. But the reason why I say, if you didn't bring a Bible, the usher will put one in your hand. I don't want you to listen to me. I want you to look at the text. I want you to listen to what the Spirit's showing us. Any pastor that's teaching in a Calvary Chapel, listen to what he's showing you, but look at the text yourself. The Holy Spirit will show you what this means, right? And so I love that. Now, why is that important? Because if we don't monitor the word for ourselves, then we could get a false teacher and lead us astray very easily, couldn't we? I think of David Koresh, Jim Jones, Todd Bentley, Lakeland. Remember that, Steve? Yeah. It's like, you know, these people loved God and they trusted their pastor to lead them into all truth. And unfortunately, that didn't happen and it, and it had severe consequences, very sad consequences, hasn't it, church? 
And so that's why I'm thankful that the church that God chose to bring me to when I first got saved and knew nothing. Where's Matthew? Show me again, honey, where, did, where Matthew is and make sure the person next to me doesn't see you doing it. <laughs> Seriously, right? <laughs> you know? But I'm thankful that Calvary Chapel points us to the word. The second thing that I want you, I, it's up on the screen, the source, Jesus at the margins. In other words, Jesus plus something doctrine. Where, where it's just like this book, it's like, it's like the teacher has Jesus on the cover, Jesus on this cover, but I'll put anything else, any doctrine, any belief, any religion in there, and we'll just kind of mix it all up and see what comes out of it, right? You ever been to one of those stores like, huh? Right? And he almost, we were just talking about Marilyn's in the nursery. Marilyn and I were talking about the situation. I was like, yeah. And she's like, I just wanted to go up there and start yelling at the pastor. I'm like, you didn't do that, did you? But, you know, you know, and what I love about that is that she knew the difference between true teaching and false teaching by that incident. Hallelujah, right? She knew what was right and what was wrong. It's Jesus plus something. Jesus Christ is not the essential in the message of a false teacher. It's not going to be the main thing. The doctrine doesn't take priority or precedence. The truth of the word and then you get into not only false teacher, but you get into heresy. You've heard that word heresy or a heretic. Uh, hopefully none of us have been accused of being a heretic. What is a heretic? Well, a heretic is a person who teaches what blatantly contradicts the essential teaching of the Christian faith. It's the main things. Example, deny the virgin birth. Or, or, or deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right? That's heresy. That is teaching false doctrine that they just teach that that doesn't exist. And there are people that teach that. There are churches that teach that. I don't know where you find it. I don't know where they're getting their information. And again, we go back to, they make up their own message, what they believe. They're not using the Bible as a, a solid resource. The next one, a false teacher will display a different character other than the character of Christ. What does that look like? Well, they're prideful, greedy, arrogant. They may operate in exclusiveness as the only one chosen by God to teach or to lead a church. They won't acknowledge a need to submit to any form of leadership or committee. They will, not, they will operate mostly alone with no accountability to anybody. And I say to you, be careful, run. If you have a pastor that, that does not submit himself to any kind of accountability or authority above him, just run. Because we're human, we're like you, you know, and we're responsible for that. Here's another way you could tell. Um, they often use manipulation tactics that they are a prophet and that they heard from the Lord, but it doesn't match up to the scripture that you read. You ever heard those crazy things coming out of prophets that are false? In fact, in 1 John 4.1, John addresses this very thing. He says, warning, careful of false prophets. Here's how you can tell the difference. If it's not in the word of God, he says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And he goes on, he says, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. John says, be careful. And so these false teachers, they can be selfish. They have no genuine compassion for people. They're only interested in selfish gain 
A false teacher often could use his leadership position to benefit from others' wealth. And if you're a victim of that, I apologize sincerely. That is not what God intended for a teacher or a prophet. Next, they preach with a different appeal. What does that mean? Well, that means that a true teacher will ask, what has God said in his word? A false teacher will ask, what do people want to hear from the pulpit this week? You see, a false teacher, well, they will appeal to their flesh. They're concerned more about being liked and are willing to compromise the gospel, including watering it down. They water the truth down. And then finally, as we talked about the orange tree, number five, they produce bad fruit or no fruit. What does that mean? Well, a false prophet sometimes may not have any followers or bad followers. The congregation doesn't fall into submission. They don't fall into authority. And a, and a, and a, a false teacher will promise much and produce very little. And you often find false teachers, they'll have a congregation, but there's like maybe 15 or 20 people. You know, it's not like hundreds or thousands because they, they don't want that because they'll probably be exposed if that would happen. They like to have the smaller congregations because they can control them. And so look down at verse 19, because verse 19, Jesus makes it very clear. What do we do with false teachers? What do we do with false prophets? And he says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit, you will recognize them. You know, God has a way to protect his flock, doesn't he? Time and time again throughout scripture, throughout churches, knowing enough pastors, and all through the Old Testament, God would appoint kings and he would remove kings, didn't he? He found very few kings that actually held to the word, obeyed God the entire lifetime of his rulership. And God will protect his flock from false teachers. He will remove them from authority. And oftentimes that happens. Look at the slide on James. Uh, look up on the screen, James 3.1. This is why there's a clear warning that James gives to teachers. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I hate that verse. <laughs> I just do. Like, it just... It's like goosebumps. It sends shivers up my spine. It's like, as, as Brian said, he's holding that hammer. And he says, God's not a God that wants to like hammer you when the first time you make it. That verse to me just speaks so much warning to me and truth to me that it's like, wow, okay. But see, God loves his church and he loves his people and he loves his word. That's why he gave it to us. And he's willing to go to the extreme to protect it and to protect you and to protect me. Now, as we begin to close, in verse 21, what Jesus is doing here, he's like, okay, I'm gonna take a break from the teachers and the, and the prophets, but now I'm gonna bring it to you. Okay, so now we're gonna shift it off of me, we're gonna take it to you, congregation. Look what it says, some of you have that headline, true and false what? Disciples. He's talking about, well, me, yes, but he's talking about us, the disciples of Christ, right? So. Um, Verse 21, in the next couple verses, Jesus wants to evaluate ourselves as we read this text. He wants us to take a point of application from here. So look at verse 21, we'll read it. 
And Jesus goes on, he's talking to you and I now, the church, the body, the sheep. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, what day would that be? What day is that? Judgment day, which is your personal judgment day, right? Yeah, you don't hold your wife's hand when you go to judgment day. Maybe you do, you know, two for one or, right? <laughs> but no, he's saying on that day, the day of judgment, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I want to stop right there and just implore you tonight that those of us are listening on podcast, this is a very important text. There's a seriousness of this text, isn't it? Because what's at stake here, ultimately? Destination, life or death, right? Eternal life, eternal death. Jesus is giving us this clear warning. Jesus is really saying, some of you think you're going to heaven, but some of you really aren't. This verse says, people can claim my name, but their spiritual life has nothing to do with their daily life. They may go to church, perhaps fulfill some daily religious duty, all the while doing great things, and yet habitually and continually sin against God at the same time. And he says, on that day of judgment, there will be those that give a list of spiritual accomplishments that are very impressive to many. But Jesus warns us tonight, look in verse 23 as we close. What does he say when this happens? When, when we bring him a list of impressive spiritual accomplishments, he says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You see, many people and I'm not going to put this on because it's not cool enough in here because this is like a weather. I was going to put this on and have Steve help me. That would have been funny. It looked like a doughboy. Let <laughs> me turn around. But many people on Judgment Day will come to Jesus Christ and go, here I am. I've done so many good things in your name. I've casted out demons. I served at the church. I gave but all the while, Jesus says, hey man, take off your camouflage. I know you. I know you very well. Last thing I want you to see up on the screen. Salvation or kingdom bound is not found by spiritual works. Salvation is found by verbal confession and get this, followed by knowing Jesus and being known by him. You see, church, tonight, Jesus is more interested in a lifestyle of true worship unto him and not what we can do for him. That's really what he's evaluating on Judgment Day for me and for all of you. He's interested in man's heart. And he's interested in a heart that desires to obey the Lord Follow the Lord. 
and worship the Lord wholeheartedly. And so as we close, here's the takeaway from verse 23. All the works that we do as Christians are wonderful things. And all of you, as I look around this room, I don't think there's a person in here that isn't serving in a ministry. And you know what? You're the core church. You really are. You're the core. Some of you are opening your home by faith. Some of you are going on a mission trip by faith. Some of you serve in production. Some of you are serving in parking. Some of you are helping administratively. Some of you are doing first aid. Some of you are ushers. Some of you are on a worship team. And that's great, and I'm thankful, and we are so blessed, the pastors here at this church, that you are doing that. You're connected. You're here. You're the core church. But there is a warning here. Jesus says, all these things, Lord, Lord, I did all these things in your name. He says, yeah, but you weren't. You were nowhere near me. So tonight as we close, all these things, we need to evaluate our lives and we say, I'm doing good things, but am I truly fellowshipping with the one I'm doing it for? Am I truly following him? Am I truly obeying him? Or do I need to, do I need to apply something new? Do I need to walk away from here tonight? And so tonight as we close, true teachers or false teachers? True gospel or false gospel? Here's how I leave you with this. Be wise. Use God's word to filter the gospel. The Holy Spirit will show and reveal to you a true, a true or a false teacher. What they teach needs to come out of the Bible and it needs to be studied divinely and it needs to be held in truth. Be careful not to be led astray. I don't know if you'll be here at this church next year. I don't know if I'll be at this church next year. I hope so. And I hope you're here too as we grow together. But what if God moves you to another church? You'll remember this teaching. When you're evaluating another church, evaluate what they're teaching. And then finally, Jesus asks us to make a personal evaluation of our lives. And we have to ask ourselves tonight, are you and I true disciples of Jesus Christ inside and out? And it's my hope and prayer that may we not hear the words, turn away from me, I never knew you on our judgment day, but that we hear, come, well done, thy good and what? Faithful servant. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this word tonight. God, thank you that you didn't just tell us to be aware of false teachers, the wolves in sheep's clothing, the deceptive, the camouflage, but you, you showed us how. You, you gave us an understanding in your, in your word tonight of what we're looking for, how to identify that, Father. So Lord, we wanna go on that narrow path. We wanna stay on the path that leads to you and not destruction. And Lord, God knows we're so imperfect and we don't need any help getting on the wrong path. So God, help us with um, the, what we're listening to, what we're watching on TV, other pastors, Lord, would you just through the Holy Spirit reveal to us whether we need to be listening to those pastors or if they're true teachers or if they're false teachers. And there are many, many men that, are, that love you dearly and they're teaching the gospel and the good news is going around the world. So Lord, give us discernment, give us your Holy Spirit. And then most of all, Lord, if there's anything that we've evaluated or heard where we need to make an adjustment, 
because we, we want to hear those words, well done. We don't want to hear, I never knew you. And so, Lord, work in our hearts, reveal those things to us. And then, Lord, would you just give strength to those that know that they need to, well, they need to make some adjustments. They need to apply what they heard tonight to their lives. And we trust you that you'll love them through that. And God, we thank you that we have your word. Without your word, we wouldn't even have a service. So we thank you that your word is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and exalting. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Sebastian podcast channel. If this message impacted your life, we encourage you to share it with a friend. We're located at 1251 Sebastian Boulevard, just northeast of Intersection 90th Avenue and State Road 512 in Sebastian, Florida. Our service times are Saturday evening at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at 1045 a.m., and Wednesdays at 630 p.m.